Welcome back to the Stephen and Stephen Show. I'm Stephen. I'm Stephen. I like how you say welcome back. It's almost assuming that people are binge listening to this and they're just taking breaks between episodes. I feel like people are are really into this. I know I am. Granted, yeah, I... There's, and there's I'm gonna gotta be honest. Be, yeah, yeah. My wife seems to enjoy it. That's our number one audience right there. It um, really is. If that, if that can happen, then I think we're set for everything else. Absolutely. But I look at this like I like that we titled it the show because yeah. it makes me it makes me feel more like well, I have the show. Yeah. Like I need I I need you to go watch the kids because <laughs> we have the, the show. show. Yeah, the show's tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's a uh, that's a good thing about it. I, I think it's um, I think it's turning out pretty well. I think so too. I have a surprise for you. Okay, I'm fully like, Ted Lasso like caught surprises. up. Oh, that's great news. Um, so where do you want to start with that? Do you want to? Well, first off, I have, let's get let's get the bad part out of the way. How lame was the coach beard the coach episode. beard episode oh my gosh i still don't know how i'm ever going to make up for that lost time in my life like 40 minutes i'll just never get back mm-hmm. and i don't know that it contributed anything to the greater overall story i was waiting for the shoe to yeah. drop at the very end where it was just like oh my gosh and that's why he is the way that's how he met ted or whatever we never got there nothing literally nothing so yeah uh, i do think that the cliffhanger on the last episode leading up to the finale um, is going to be very interesting. I think the discussion around mental health in this country um, yes. being included into a show like Ted Lasso, that seems to have, you know, this feel good narrative and this protagonist that seemingly has very little wrong with his life, even though, you know, he is this eternal optimist. He has these kind of underlying things that keep coming up. And I just think that is such an important show um, for where we are today in 2021. And, and Jason Sudeikis having a nervous breakdown, having a panic attack is the realist uh, depiction of it. I've ever seen on scripted television whatsoever. It is, that is what a panic attack actually looks, even the way they do um, like from his perspective with the noise and this, like the lights and stuff like that is the realest depiction I've ever seen. Um, and Jason right. Sudeikis, Emmy award-winning Jason Sudeikis, um, absolutely so. doing work every week on Ted yeah. Lasso. I did do some reading that I guess they're only committed through season three, and they don't know yep. if there will be story to tell after that. So I'm kind of bummed about that. I like my shows nine seasons, you but know, that's fairly like new. Office, but we'll see. I, th- I, mean, I we'll think see they just. That- I th- I think they just got pulled for that season three. So we'll see if it, uh, I feel like they have plenty of time to catch up and make this thing go longer. Because another thing I heard about Ted Lasso, and this is a fabulous thing, and this was actually announced today, but Ted Lasso, the actual show, the program, Ted Lasso, has entered into an agreement with the English Premier League that will pay them, I think it was something like $750,000 this agreement was, but now what they're able to do with this agreement is show real footage of EPL games and use like actual trademarks. Like, obviously, if you look at it, like they're the Greyhounds, right? Like there's not, that's not a real team, but they'll be able to start like 
um, using like, you know, real, real teams and real yeah. trademark content, which means they could also start bringing in some of those. Like, I don't know if you noticed the, the commentator, Thierry Henry, he's the, you know, he's like the Tony Parker version of soccer. Um, right. he's, from, he's from France. Well, he's retired now, so they can have him on the show, but they can't have like real players right now because they don't have that contract with EPL. So I do think it's, I do think it's going to open up a can of worms. Um, that's, that's going to be really fun. But to your, to your other point though, about the actual Ted Lasso, the part where he's, uh, you know, he's kind of crying, talking about his dad and like the range of emotions that you go through in this show where you can almost be laughing so hard. You're like in stitches one second. And then I know that I was like, oh man, I'm actually crying. Am I crying? I think I'm crying. Like listening yeah. to that. So there's a lot in there that they really cover like the full wide range of emotions in this show. So and that's why. So I love now, it so now that I'm caught up, um, I want to ask you like, who's your favorite supporting character? Um, There's only one right answer. Keely. Okay. So that's charity's favorite too. Charity really yeah. is into Keely. I'm she's such like a Roy Kent fan. Oh, Roy Kent's awesome. He won an award, but I was going to yeah. say Keely doesn't make sense. Cause she's so great. And she did. She was like the one person that didn't win the award. But yeah, Roy Roy Kent's awesome. I I I endeavor to live my life more like Roy Kent. Just like, first of all, saying "oi" more often. Oi, yeah. Oi, he's got, he's got that grunt to him. Yeah. I love it, dude. He, he's pretty fabulous in that show. I love, like I said, the show is pretty great. They have he's one like a episode. British Ron Swanson. Mm. Yes, that's what he is. That's a good call. A British I'm into one. that. I'm I'm really into that. It's filling it, a lot of voids. It's filling a lot of situational comedy voids in my life. Um, you know, I, I, my early twenties and, and mid twenties are defined by how I met your mother and the office and parks and rec. Uh, and so in Brooklyn nine, nine, which is now, you know, just come to a conclusion. So to me, Ted Lasso is definitely filling a void. It's got all the feel good of the office. Um, Ted is kind of like the lovable goof. But he's mm -hmm. so, I mean, he's just, there's so much more than the Michael Scott. There's so many more layers than Michael Scott. Um, I'm not going to say Ted Lasso is better than The Office. I'm not, I'm, you'll never catch me saying that. But I will say it's the closest thing to filling that sitcom void in me that I've experienced mm -hmm. in a long time. The, the Office laid, when did, when did Steve Carell leave The Office? Was that season seven? It was the end of season seven. Yeah. So they laid seven seasons. Now I didn't, I wasn't particularly crazy about season eight. Where'd it go? It went nine. It went nine. Yeah. It went nine. I think season eight is so underrated because I'm such a James Spader fan. And the sure. Robert California work was just next level bizarre. Right. And you, I feel like you had to go so far away from Steve Carell. And that's what they did with James Spader because Robert California is an actual creep. Right. And that it was a, and when he says like, you don't even know my name. I'm the lizard king. Like that like, summed up the entirety of Robert <laughs> right. California. And it was so anti Steve Carell. It was so anti Michael Scott that, that it was almost absolutely necessary or else they were, they were doing a weak imitation, which is what I think they ended up doing in season nine is they kind of tried to turn Andy Bernard into like a poor man's Michael Scott. Right. But Ed Helms God love him. is not. Uh, I will, I will say that I think The Office had the luxury there. So there's two things that I, I think might keep The Office ahead of this. I'm still going to maintain my my uh, bold claim that if 
Ted Lasso runs its course. If Ted Lasso goes nine seasons, I think it's going to be better than The Office. But I will say that The Office, they laid down some incredible groundwork seasons one through seven. Like one through seven, I don't think they missed. Um, but then the other component that they have to it is The Office is actually titled The Office and it's not the Michael Scott show or it's not Michael Absolutely. Scott or whatever. Yeah. So there is, so Ted Lasso has to put in, I mean, if they're going to compete with the office for that top notch spot in Stephen Hale's world, they have to lay down at least seven solid seasons. Sure. And the office might've had a one, you know, a couple episodes that missed here and there. So I'm giving like the coach beard episode. That was the episode that missed, but they got to, they got to put in some, some real groundwork. And so I'm yeah, excited to I see agree. where this contract this contract with EPL goes, I want to see what, what they can do with that. I think that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I thought you'd be pleased that I was caught up. And then next week we can talk about the Ted Lasso finale um, at length. Yeah. I mean, I'll take notes. I'm um, sticking. Yes. Sticking with the, the map, same you know, concept of t- it could be um, sticking with the same concept of, of TV. I, do, were you a big, were you a game of Thrones guy? Uh, here's the thing. I, I just started watching, um, recently. Oh, that's right. We just had this and conversation in text. So yeah, you're going to be a I, Game I of Thrones think, guy. I agree. And you and I both, um, you know, I, I'm really into, um, strong narrative, like storytelling is important yeah. to me. Uh, and that's why like, I can watch a show like Sons of Anarchy, which has, I mean, I have no interest in being a part of a one percenter gang in Central California. Like the the actual context of of Sons of Anarchy has no interest to me. If you're like, hey, watch this show, and I think right. you were the one that actually got me turned on to Sons of Anarchy by saying, watch this show. It's about a Central California motorcycle gang, and I was like, eh, I don't know. And you're like, oh, tr- just trust me. And because I because I do, I I started watching Sons, and I, I to me, I think it's one of the best storytelling shows of all yeah. time of course it's just shakespeare it's it's adapted shakespeare which makes kurt sutter just an absolute genius of a writer to take you know Macbeth and mm-hmm. and turn it into what he turned it into so um, i have to tell I, you I'm such a big sons fan sons is a great show and i have to tell you uh i remember being really upset whenever you told me that it was a shakespeare shakespeare remake because I don't read Shakespeare. I've never, I've never read one thing of Shakespeare. So I had no idea. Like I was watching it just in like real time, just being like, this is amazing. What an amazing storyline. And then when you were like, yeah, it's basically Macbeth. I'm like, okay, you just took the wind out of my sails a little bit, but I've since moved on from that. Um, Game of Thrones. Uh, So you're going to have to get caught up on Game of Thrones because House of the Dragon airs on January 1st, 2022. So we start off day one of 2022 with the, with the, what, what do they call it? Like the, is it a, is the it a sequel or a prequel? precursor of Game of Thrones, a prequel. There you go. So um, if you haven't yet, you'll learn about the Targaryens. Those are the people that ride the dragons. Well, there's going to be a whole show made by the same people about House Targaryen. House of the Dragon is the name of the show. And I have not, I am a Game of Thrones nerd. I'm so ready for House of Dragon. Like this is, wow. this is going to be the show of 2022. So you got a lot of work to do on your Game of Thrones stuff. And I want to see you yeah. get caught up on that. 
I do fast forward all of the offensive parts. I just want to point that out. Um, That's like 95% of the show. So you, you should be able to binge in like three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, just read the Wikipedia articles pretty much. I'm looking for a clean flicks version of Game of Thrones. It's only like seven minutes of episodes. Seven minute an episode. Pure flicks. Sponsored yeah. by Pure Flicks. Um, Sponsored okay, by Pure so, Flicks. Yeah. Where are you at? Pure Flicks. Okay. So I want to talk about the Avengers next. Um, so I have a couple complaints. Okay. This concerns um, me. You have to my... know that this concerns me, first of all, because. And that's why I want to talk to you about it. So I'm okay, rocking okay. a Star Wars a Star Wars shirt today and a Star Wars shirt because it's the closest thing I have to an Avengers shirt, which is not close at all, except for they're all in space. Owned um, by Disney. Owned by Disney. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, I'm watching last night. I have it on just in the background. Captain Marvel's on. And I get to the scene where she starts to like really become Captain Marvel and like tear through all the ships and her movie. And, you know, she's ripping everything apart and she's like glowing. And I'm like, well, I, f- I forget. This was like actually pretty impressive. Yeah. And then I'm thinking back to like, now to our listeners, if you haven't seen Endgame yet or Infinity War, that's your own fault. And I'm going to spoil everything for you right now. So um, it's been way too long. You should have seen it by now. But I'm thinking we spent, you know, all this time watching a Captain Marvel story. We watched, um, we had three Hulk movies, like three Iron Mans. We had a couple of Doctor Strange. Why is it that Thanos kicked everybody's butt so bad? I still have a major problem with the fact fact that the Hulk just punked out. Like he just, we've, we, all we did was say for how many Avengers movies? Yeah, well, we have a Hulk. And then whenever Hulk got to Thanos, he just kind of like punked out. And then Thanos like flipped him over. And then that was kind of the end of the Hulk. We never well, dealt with him anymore. And that's kind of the point though, is that that's what made Thanos so special is that once he started collecting the Infinity Stones, he, he was more than just the Mad Titan. He, he now had this extra power. So by the time that he got to uh, the Hulk, which that scene on um, the Asgardian ship is, mm-hmm. is the kind of continuation of the end of Thor Ragnarok, which, by the way, is the most underrated Marvel movie uh, out there. Movie. Thor Ragnarok is, is actually brilliant. Taika Watiti. That's a terrible name. I probably butchered it terribly, too, but... <laughs> He's from New Zealand, so what am I to be expected to say? Uh, sure. He, that, that was a great movie, and I think that the whole point of that initial scene in Infinity War was like, oh, crap, the Hulk is like not, not really who we thought he was, or that Thanos is much stronger than we thought he was. And Hulk really only had one solo movie. Um, I mean, he's in Avengers, he's in, you know, all these things, but we even, I don't think that we really got the fullness of what Hulk could be um, until he, he was the one that took the snap in an end game. Um, mm-hmm. To me, what is kind of inconsistent about it is, I mean, and honestly, I think the point is to say how powerful the stones are. I think that is the point okay. that is expressed in this is that the stones have literally this much power because Captain Marvel's powers all come from a stone. Um, and, but that's just one stone. And she, see the way she's like flying through like spaceships, like it's no big deal. Like Captain Marvel yeah. very, very well may be the most powerful Avenger in the universe by the time Endgame rolls around. Um, but, but then she gets but, to Thanos and he's just like, I just knocks her out. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, because he, at that point, he's got however many stones. The thing that I was uh, looking at recently was that, 
um, Thanos was able to destroy the Captain America shield with his weapon thing, his like sword. And I don't know what it takes to destroy. I mean, like that's vibranium, right? Like that's, I mean, Chadwick Bowman, Bozeman, rest in power King. He, uh, one of his best lines in the whole series was when they're like going out to the warden and he like looks at Captain America. He's like, and get these men a shield. And like, it's just like, oh, heck yeah. Like the shield's coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's when you like, oh, that's what makes Cap unbeatable is the way he wields the shield plus the super soldier thing. But to me, to me, what is most frustrating right now, and I don't know where you're at in your Avengers fandom. Uh, did you see Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi? I have not seen the newest one. And I, I have to tell you, I did not like the way that I didn't like the way that in game, I thought infinity war was amazing. I didn't like how in game ended. Um, not nothing to do with iron man, but I didn't like the way that nobody could seem to fight Thanos. I just thought if this lady can fly through a ship, I mean, but they be beat him. I mean, Thanos eventually, out. right. Like that's, you know, and I am iron man. Sure. Like that's, that was the moment, you know what I mean? Like the, what's crazy to me about, um, the Marvel universe. And, and this could be like our first major disagreement on the Steven and Steven show, which our mother-in-law thinks is going to be like consistently what happens is that we will just argue about anything and everything. Um, so this might be the, this might be the start of it here. Uh, So what to me is the most, what's the most frustrating thing about the Marvel universe right now is that we basically spent however many years getting to end game. And they were just like, mm-hmm. all right, well, see you later, guys. And we're just basically going to start over with Shang-Chi, yeah. with the Eternals. Um, and it's, I understand, like, you know, Chris Evans doesn't want to be Captain America anymore. And um, Scarlett Johansson wants more money and like all these things. But <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't really understand how we can like move on so quickly. And the the whole thing with the multiverse that we're pulling out here is basically yeah. just saying like psych. Yeah. Gotcha. You just invested 15 years of your life in this stuff. Psych. We can yeah. undo it just by saying, it was, Oh, it's the multiverse. I, I actually do agree with you on this. I, I think I have a, a little bit of an issue because it was quite the buildup. I remember going into the theater for Endgame. And feeling like I'm about to watch probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like, like in my, before the credits even roll, I like, that's what I was geared up for. Like it was a date that like, I really anticipated. And I'm not like, I'll, I'll like look forward to movies, but that was one that I was like, I'm, I'm seeing this on opening night. I'm seeing it on in IMAX. I'm going to see it like in the best theater that I can see it in. And then whenever I saw it, I felt really like, Okay, that was a little underwhelming. And then it was like, as soon as Endgame was over, they're like, here, have some uh, have some TV shows and then have this multiverse and then have this. And I was like, you're just using me to be a consumer. And I didn't really like well, first what I felt. Uh, okay, first of all, I went into Endgame with the exact same feeling. I'm about to see one of the most epic cinematic experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely was. It was 100 It was it was okay. Was worth it. Now I will say Infinity this. Infinity War was better. I, I was in a live theater. I mean, the the people that I was in that theater with 
were so invested in every little thing. And I promise when, yeah. when Steve Rogers pulled up with Thor's hammer, that entire place went nuts and it just made it like, yep. So much like there's some guy behind me screaming like, I knew it. I knew it. And I was like, what did you know? Mm -hmm. But it it was such a like live movie watching experience, (laughs) which is so fun to me because it, and we had it taken away from us during quarantine. Like the idea that we go to the movies and we experience these things together with people we don't know who might just be as crazy about this stupid movie franchise as we are. So I, I, I'm into it. I'm, I'm not as into, I mean, I thought Shang-Chi was good. Um, I I've watched all the Disney plus shows. Loki, I mm-hmm. thought was phenomenal. I really liked WandaVision, uh, Captain America, the winter soldier to me was a political statement that I did not enjoy. Uh, yeah. and, and what if I'm told, uh, I talked to one of my leading Marvel experts today, shout out to Holden Hanley, who will never listen to this, but thanks Holden. <laughs> Uh, who tells me that what if is getting good. So I'll, I'll watch the what if finale All right. um, and see how I, it goes. I we can you. circle back on this, but you know, we'll, we'll circle I'm, back. I'm going to be forever. I'm going to be forever. Marvel. Uh, I, 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 I'm a obsessed. fan of Marvel, but I think that they lost me a little bit and I definitely did not come out of in game ready to watch all the other Marvel um, services. So yeah, that's, I think that's where we're at with with our avengers um okay okay hold on hold on let me say this though okay and and maybe this will just light a flame but there is no marvel movie that is worse than the best star wars movie no marvel yeah i would agree with that uh every single marvel movie is better than every single star wars movie i I would agree with that star wars franchise is so overrated it's incredibly overrated. there's a crazy old man with a bad chin strap beard getting richer every single time yeah that somebody says the words lightsaber and it try look i get why people like it in the 70s but I don't get why we still think it was good. And even when you talk to people who are like so Star Wars obsessed, they're like, oh yeah, the, the last three movies weren't that good. I can't tell, I can tell you I didn't prefer certain Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, but I, there is no way that you will catch me saying three of those movies in succession were bad. No, yeah. not Chief, that ain't well, it. Well, I would say too that the, the Star Wars dynamic, it's more fun to be involved in the dynamic than it is to watch a movie. Like I, I enjoy like when we went to Disney World and you go to like Star Wars land and there's, you know, you get to do the the ships and everybody dresses up and there's like a thing and lightsabers are cool to like swing around and like the whole experience of it is better, but not, not the movies. The, the movies definitely aren't. And you're right. George Lucas, he's just getting rich off, off, uh, off of all of us. Um, so yeah, you, you have me, you have me, okay. I'm in agreement with you on on the Avengers, or excuse me, on the Marvel verse being better than Star Wars. But I also am not a fan of Endgame. And I'm never going to be okay with the fact that the Hulk punked out and that Captain Marvel was able to fly through a ship and rip it to shreds in two seconds. But Thanos. Because the stones, the stones were so powerful. I mean, you're Captain Marvel. So I guess it is what it is. That's fair. Okay. Um, so let's move on here. I want to talk to you because you mentioned the word circle back. And it made me think of Jen, our 
good old press secretary. And I'm there's a new narrative floating around here that I I find very fascinating. So again, I think you and I have been pretty uh, we've been pretty open about our opinions on vaccines. Let's be clear, we're not telling anybody to not get a vaccine, and we're not telling people to get a vaccine. We are not taking the stance of either way. I think we're both in the camp of if you want to get a vaccine, get the vaccine. You should have every and right. If you don't want to get, get the vaccine, vaccine. right. Here's the weird part, and this is actually a complaint that I have from the right, and we spent a lot of time complaining about the left, so let's let's bring a little balance here. But this is a complaint that I have about the right, is there's people that are like adamant, you know, there's a journalist on Twitter today, his name's Tim Pool, and he's like, don't tell me that you, um, don't tell me that you are uh, outraged by being forced to have a vaccine if you're not willing to give up your job to not be vaccinated. And this is an argument that, this is an issue that I have, is I think you have um, a lot of people who have opinions about things, but they don't have the luxury of just putting their foot down and going, all right, I'm not gonna do this. And I don't care if I lose my job, which means that I can't feed my family, which means like there are some, there's a lot of people in this world who are gonna be opposed to the idea of getting a vaccine and they're still going to get the vaccine because they have, they have to, like maybe it's an ultimatum rather than somebody knocking on their door and saying, we're gonna throw you in jail if you don't get vaccinated. But I don't know a ton of people in this world that have the luxury of just going, oh, this job. my work, yeah, my work is making me get a vaccine. Okay, I'm just gonna quit then. Or I don't like the rules, that, like I'm not a fan of California, like the way that California is being governed. But I also don't have the luxury of just going, you know what? I'm so angry at how it's being governed. I'm just going to put my foot down and quit my job and sell my house and move. Like nobody moves unless you have somewhere to go. Like, and nobody quits their job unless they have another job that they can get. So this, this outrage over people who are not resisting the vaccine strong enough is <laughs> a little bit bizarre to me. And I have a big problem with it. And I want to tell all my beloved, like, crazy right wingers to just chill out a little bit there's a whole lot of people in the middle who don't have that luxury and the other thing too is maybe pump the brakes on this idea of a civil war like a civil war is a bad idea i'm very against a civil war the last time we had a civil war in this country people died yeah a lot of them and it was a black stain on our um it was, it was like a, a soiled, rotten part of our American history that we had a civil war. And it's, it's, it's bad for everybody. Nobody wins in a civil war. And I'm very uh, against this divisiveness in our country right now. But I don't think, Stephen, that the answer is, yeah, let's have a civil war. Let I me mean, ask you this, though. Do you think that there is any way, uh, and we talked about this once, that the beauty of the United States is that if you want to live in California and have values that like align with California and the way California uh, regulates and legislates, then you can move to California and live a life that you love in California. And if you want the opposite of that, you can move to Texas where things are basically the opposite of that or Florida, right. you know, like if yep. you want to live in the opposite, you know, political climate, but still have a beach, like there, there are a lot of options for you in the United States. Um, if we ever get to a place and, and I just, I just don't think our Republic is, 
is set up this way. Um, if we ever get to a place, though, where the federal government comes in and says, no, Texas, you have to be just like California and imposes limitations on private citizens to force them into things that they were trying to avoid by leaving California or leaving New York, at what point are you okay with Texas saying, you know what, we're thanks, but no thanks. Uh, we're just gonna, we're just gonna be Texas. And yeah. if that means being not a part of the United States, that means not being a part of the United States. Do you, my first question for you is, do you ever feel like that would be an acceptable uh, decision on the part of the people and the government of Texas? Uh, I do actually. And I want to be clear too. Like I would, I would rather be, um, I would rather have the United States be broken up and maintain themselves as new United States than to have us be, than to have us as a United States go to civil war. I'm not interested in civil war in any, in any capacity, but I do think to your point, there comes a time where if your government overreaches, and I'm not saying you go start a military coup or anything like that. I'm not saying you go storm the Capitol, but I'm saying if there comes a point where you're going, what the federal government is not represent the will and the will and ideology of our voters, which in Texas, you know, people say that Texas is turning purple and it's going to turn red. Like, it's I don't not. know that that's entirely true. It's um, I think that's something that a lot of Democrats say, um, but I don't think that that's actually true. If you're going down that path, though, the right thing to do is to secede from the union and to back out and form your own, you know, republic. country, independent nation, yeah. republic, however you're going to do that. I do think, though, um, and this is something that I'm reading about, and I don't want to imply to everybody that I have all the answers, but there's a thing called the Convention of States that um, is a possibility. And in the event that Texas were to succeed, or excuse me, secede, not succeed, secede, they have the ability to bring some other states along with them. And I've heard a, I've heard some pretty wild conspiracy theories that are going out, uh, like about that idea, like if you divided like it north, uh, the North United States versus the South United States, we're all still allies in the event of a war, but we all operate under the same constitution, although we allow state power at the Southern United States and we reserve federal power at the Northern United States. And the Southern United States would basically be Mexico, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida. It'd basically be the coastline. So you keep the coastline in place for military presence, which is why we want our allies to the North. And then simultaneously, the Northern United States brings in Canada as their thing. So you're basically you know, you're formulating a new superpower by bringing in Mexico and Canada. And I'm way cooler with that idea, as ludicrous and outrageous as it is, than having a civil war. Um, and I'll tell you this, too. Here's the other thing about civil war, man. The side with the most guns wins. Like, they're just absolutely that's unfortunate way of putting it. I know that sounds crass. I know that's harsh to believe. But if if a bunch of... Um, tree hugging, you know, liberals want to try and start a civil war. Like that's not going to go good for all the no red, uh, red states who, you know, have small arsenals in their basement and they're preparing yeah. for doomsday. Like, yeah, this is, don't want to go to war for. with those people. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a silly thing. It's a silly narrative to keep floating around like that. We need a civil war, but I do think we're in a little bit of a cold civil war right now, like at for least sure. with our political landscape, 
And I think that's a sad part of America right now. Well, okay. So let me ask you this then. Do you think that um, there is a peaceable secession possible? I kind of tend to think that if Texas came out and was like, okay, we're going full Texas, like we are going to we're thanks, but no thanks. You guys do you, we'll do us. Yeah. If we ever go to war or something crazy like that, like let's talk about how our interests align, but we're going to just respectfully bow out. Do you think that there is a possibility there is, you know, an even remote chance that the U S would let a state just kind of bow out without some struggle and without some, some conflict, because that's, that's where I think like, ah, what's worth it here. You know what I mean? Like, especially because you're talking about a scenario in which they would have to bow out because the federal government is gotten to a place where they disagree. So overreached. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and and the, the point about guns is a hundred percent true because I mean, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I live in Texas and I, if you told me the guy on either side of me, everyone has had, had enough ammunition, like to, to take over a, a small European country or three, I'd believe you. Um, and that guy seems yeah. pretty nice to me. Like he doesn't seem like the militia type, but I'm here to tell you like nothing would shock me in Texas at this point in time. So right. I just, I don't know if well, it's a peaceful I, I, possibility or not. I think Texas is the only state that can just do it. I don't think that they need a whole lot. Like it would really just be up to the Texas voters to decide to do it. And again, what we're finding out now in a, the world of all of our uh, government officials is we have a lot of people who are elected officials who are now finally starting to say this cool phrase is, I don't really need to find out from my voter base. They voted me in. And so I'm a representation of their views. So if you have a very red state of Texas and they just decided they wanted to do it, like that opens up a whole can of worms. There's other been other there's been other talk like there's a thing that floats around here in California all the time that I always find fascinating. But they, they like to boast this in California. They go, well, we would if California was an independent nation, we'd have the world's fifth largest economy. And I'm like, OK, well, let's put that into perspective. You guys take the most in federal aid combined by half the states. You're 45th in education. You're 24th in crime. You're 47th in opportunity. Like this is not a strong case for you becoming an independent nation. The interesting part about it is Texas is not far behind and they would be the ninth world economy if they seceded. So there's like, okay, so let's just pretend for a second that you had an independent nation, which was responsible for not only your economy, but also in securing your borders, also in, you know, uh, protect the livelihood of people also in their ability to provide rational healthcare services. If you take all of that rolled into one, which state do you want to live in California or Texas? And I think a lot of people are going to say, mm, I'm going to go with Texas on that one. And it's not just a full knock to California, but California does not have like the governance to operate as an independent nation as where Texas does. I think the, to your original question, if Texas seceded from the union, I think you would have a lot of other states that would be like, no, we want to go too. And I think that's where it would get messy. I think you would have states like, you know, poorer states like Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, Tennessee, these Kentucky states, a lot of that stuff in the Bible belt that they rely so much on these bigger states like California and Texas and Florida and New York for um, actual funding of their states. They would really, they would be the ones that would suffer in the event that California or Texas ever left. So I think that would be the interesting part, which is why I like that whole 
Southern United States where you have Mexico to Florida, everybody's a part of that. That'd be kind of fun. And some amazing, uh, some amazing resorts. All some amazing resorts. The, the East coast of Mexico. Right. And then you can start giving land back to, you know, some of the Mexicans that we actually stole land from, you know, and sure. I think we could build a lot of bridges about that. Also probably help Mexico clean up their drug cartels and their trafficking issues. So, I mean. And then we wouldn't have to build that wall. Then we don't have to build a wall. That's right. We just build a wall from New Mexico to Oklahoma, to Oklahoma just across that Save billions. Line. Yes. Now save we build billions. one at the Red River. Yeah. What is the, what is the general consensus of Texas? Do they do they walk around with like this attitude of, I mean, I, I guess I kind of know the answer, but that they don't need the rest of the United States. I mean, California really, that's their, they're like, we don't need the other 49. The other 49 need us. I honestly feel like for Texas, it's, it's not that we don't need the other 49. It's that um, we don't really need to think about the other 40. Like I very rarely do I hear about somebody who seems concerned about national politics? Um, I mean, we are in the sense that we're Americans and so we care. And so all of these federal laws and all of the like overreach that you see. And, you know, I mean, somebody was reading me today, this thing from Pennsylvania about how they want to, somebody introduced a, a bill in the Pennsylvania house, basically saying that men after their third child um, need oh, to yeah. be, uh, they would have to, have to get vasectomy. mandatory vasectomies. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody was like, I can't believe they're doing this. I was like, they're not. One yeah. bozo in Pennsylvania proposed it, but I'm just here to tell you every single time I hear about something going on at the federal level, I'm just like, yeah, that's never going to happen here. It's never going to happen. I mean, they can't here. even get a, they have a, they have a democratic president. They have, they own control of the house and the Senate and they can't get a $3.5 trillion um like basically a socialism bill passed because it's, they got two senators that are like no yeah so i i just want to comfort all the men out there i don't think you're going to have to get mandatory vasectomies I it's going to be fine everything but that be is fine. the that is the stuff that um that floats out there and i do always get a kick out of it i just i think texas is well I, here here's what we get into this is um everybody would say right off the bat like they're against segregation and I think, you know, we've, the country's come a long ways from like black and white water fountains and, you know, this is your school and this is your classroom. But we're seeing this like new narrative where people are wanting to go back to that in some capacity. And I'm starting to wonder, like, do we want like voluntary, voluntary segregation? And going back to your original point, like if you're a super conservative person in California and you don't want to be surrounded by liberals, then how do we how do we fix that because it's not as simple as you just going okay i want out like again we gotta have a job you gotta have you know a livelihood a place to live and the same is of people in texas they're going like if you're a democrat in texas you're probably outnumbered or if you're a democrat in florida you're severely outnumbered like how do we get you to california if that's what you right. want to do i think i think we have to come up with like I think what we need to do is come up with like some interstate programs where it says like, if you're a registered Democrat and you live in a red state and you want to be out of that state, like the incoming state will take you on if you commit to maintain your vote for them. So you can keep California blue and you can keep Florida red, but we're just incentivizing people to relocate where they want to be so that they can go to those places and keep those areas. 
The problem with it's that like a is foreign exchange. You're basically encouraging segregation. It's like a yeah. foreign exchange program between states, but yeah, you're encouraging like, a form of political instead segregation. Of, instead of like, I'm black, you're white. It's like, you're a Republican, I'm a Democrat. Let's isolate ourselves from each other as much as humanly possible. And right. man, I, I just... That's that's I, a terrible I, way to, for a country to a run. It's a slippery slope. That's what I right. think. Um, because at some point, like as a Christian, I have to like know that isolationism is not really what God wants from me. Right. Uh, and I, I tend to be a little, you know, I mean, we've talked about our libertarian leanings on this show in the past. Isn't that funny how we say our show? Our show. Our show. It is. Um, we've talked about this on our show in the past that we're both a little libertarian in this, that I kind of believe in a strong national defense, which might mean getting the heck out of other people's business all over the world. Um Mm-hmm. But I know that like, that's not a Christian thought, you know what I mean? Like living on mission doesn't right. mean like just staying at home and saying like, well, they'll figure it out, I guess. I mean, who am I to interfere yeah. in their issues? Like we should be helping, but I, I think that's, you know, the thing about socialism, um, it's a very interesting argument that you hear from kind of woke Christianity is that like Jesus would have been a socialist because he, he believed in like helping the poor, but like Jesus believed in the, in the church helping the poor. And he believed in the church doing all these things, not the government. So um, I I don't want to exhaust, you know, putting work into your effort. Right. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, go so deep into this that it's um, it becomes like an altar call where I have you close your eyes and raise your hand. (laughs) I see that hand, but I do think that so much of, of what I believe and so much of why Texas is, so deep in me is that I believe like the things I, I value the most um, morally are reflected in what I vote politically. Uh, And and for me, that's, that's the Bible and that's, that's my Christian values. And while there, there is a temptation to be like, Oh yeah, forget everybody else. Like go to California, you commie hippies. Like, yeah. There is also this idea that like, if you're a commie hippie, like I, I, I do have part of me that wants to convert you. So right. <laughs> I right. don't know There's how a... to reconcile those. Well, it's always dangerous too, when you're just in an echo chamber of voices that completely agree with you and you're only getting that perspective. And I think that's one of the issues that California has really struggled with. I, I actually think that's why Texas is thriving the way that it is, is because you guys are a little bit more like you're a little more diverse politically. You're still very heavy red, but you have like every now and then you get a better, there's a little sprinkle, especially in the, like the big cities, but California's California's blue, man. And California also believes that everybody else needs to think like them and everybody who doesn't think like them is wrong. And I was, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but I'm loving Bill Maher right now. And it's hilarious that I'm, you did mention I'm watching I'm watching his show and he, but he brought up something on Friday night again, that I'm like, why is Bill Maher being the voice of reason right now? It's our country. And he's going, you need to have friends who disagree with you politically. Like you need to have friends who think differently. And we've been programmed, especially in the last, you know, five years or so that if somebody thinks politically different than you, you need to disassociate with them like there's people that say they they firmly believe like this thanksgiving you need to call your family out 
at the Thanksgiving table and tell them like, if you voted for Trump or if you're not getting a vaccine, like I'm not going to see you for Christmas. No, that's not what you do. That's an idiotic thing to do. There's videos circulating of Maxine Waters. She's a California Senator. And she's telling people like, if you meet a Republican or if you meet some of these elected officials, like get a crowd together and push them out and drive them out. I'm like, what? What kind of divisiveness is that? Like you, you really, we're supposed to, we're supposed to think differently. We're supposed to have different ideas and different opinions. And you're trying to, you're trying to make all the, all the Republicans in California disappear like their Facebook. Like they just go offline. <laughs> Suddenly they're no longer existent anymore. And oh I'm like, my gosh, you have to interact. That's a time relevant joke because Facebook just came back on like two hours ago. Um, Oof, all those influencers today on Instagram, they were really oh hurt. Um, but yeah, man, we have to, we have to bridge the gap here between people who disagree politically. So if you're listening to the show, find a friend who disagrees with you politically and just associate with them, go out to lunch, go out to dinner, vent and I'll be that friend, 20 bucks for coffee. Talk I'll be that them, friend. Hang out and yeah, you can do that. Come, come, come. All buy right. Me last coffee, segment here. I want to ask you about. Come Hit me. Coffee liberals. All right. I want to know what your three favorite apps are. Now, mm. whenever I uh, message this, I was like, you can't, like, oh, yeah, uh, the Southwest Egg Rolls and uh, mozzarella sticks. Not those, not those apps. I want to know what your three the ones that like, are half favorite price apps after are. 10 p.m. at Applebee's. Half price at, at Applebee's. Um, so yeah, I want to know what your three favorite apps are that you're using. And I'm going to start with you. And these can be all over the job, like all, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a social media app. I don't care if it's a banking app. I don't care if it's a sports app. I just want to know what it is. And I'm going to tell you what mine is to start my first one. Um, and I've actually come to love this app and I'm doing it right now because my car has perpetually been in the shop for 75 days the first time. And now my car is in the shop again, and I'm going to be coming up on 60 days by the time I get it back. So I've been using this app a lot, Turo, the Turo app, where you rent to rent cars. And I rent a car every week and I'm loving it. It's so fun. And the app is actually really easy to use and find the car that you want in your area. You could search for it by like make model. And then you can like message people directly and be like, Hey, I need this car for three days, or I need this truck for a couple of days. And then they'll hook you up for it. Um, I think it's a great app and it's been something that I've been using a lot over the last two months. And that's why my first recommendation for apps is Turo. T-U-R-O, the Turo. Okay. Okay. Um, I've yet to use Turo, but I I'm open to it. It's It's a fun thing. If you ever need a car, I'm not sure. You know, I never thought, I thought I was going to be, uh, just a very traditional enterprise for my rental car, mm-hmm. Hilton for my hotel, um, forever and ever. But I, I've recently, <laughs> I've recently Hilton. gotten turned on to Airbnb. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it sounds like Turo is the Airbnb. Is the Airbnb of I'll never rentals. use. I don't think I'm ever going to go to Enterprise again. I'm sorry, Enterprise. Your rates are too expensive. I called Enterprise and I was trying to get a, a, a car, and they were like, "Yeah, it's going to be eighty-five dollars a day." And I was like, "Well, I can get the same. I can get a better car." on Turo for like $35 a day. So see ya. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got like four or five apps I want to share. Okay. So I'm kind of trying to like break this down. Um, and uh, we, can we, can we move to five? Is that, does that bother you? Sure. Can you can go to five. five. Okay. I want to start with sleep cycle. Um, sleep cycle. Which I, okay. I've been using for years. Um, and what sleep cycle does is it basically analyzes your sleep patterns 
Um, mm -hmm. You put it, you turn the app on, it's got an alarm clock feature, but you turn the app on, put it on your nightstand, press start. And then in the morning, it gives you this like, uh, this kind of breakdown on if you can see that or not. I've got a privacy screen oh, yeah. filter on. Of like um, how it, well you it, slept and how stuff? How well you slept, what time you got into deep sleep. Um, I, I've really, as I've gotten into my mid thirties, I've become obsessed with the quality of my sleep um, and, and mm. trying to life hack my way to better sleep. Uh, because I really believe it is the key. I believe that hydration and sleep are the keys to health. Um, and so sleeping a ton, you know, Me too. I just I don't mean, really I, follow those rules, but yeah, I would I, love I, to I get, agree. I mean, if I eight hours a night, I mean, I'm in my mid thirties and if I can get eight hours a night, I mean, that sounds crazy, but I, I do my best to do it. Um, Good for you. And if I could get to, if I, if I could get to 10 hours a night, I think that'd be even better. Like wow. that's the kind of life I'm, I think I can live past a hundred. You're trying easily to get there. If I can drink more water and sleep more. So my, my What's first the app again? is sleep cycle. Um, sleep and I cycle. think I might've paid three bucks for it. Um, but it, it's also got some cool, like um, white noises and things like that. Oh, it's got the um, cool gambit. It's it's yeah, it is an all encompassing sleep app. Um, okay. and it, it has given me the best uh, analysis of my sleep that's helped me make some changes that have really impacted that quality. So cool. I'll go to my second one here. Uh, the Our Groceries app. This is huh, okay. Never heard of this one. So I'm excited. So I'm going to tell you about this. This is great. And husbands, if you're, if you're a married man out there, this is for you. Um, this is how this works. The Our Groceries app allows you to add in uh, stores basically that you want to, you know, prioritize. And then you can add things into that store. So a um, couple lists that I have is I have a Costco store, a Dollar Tree store. I have a, look at this, a Party City store, a Sam's, a Sprouts, a Target. And then I have my close grocery stores, Ralph's and Vaughn's, a Walmart, Trader Joe's. And so the way that this works is whenever we run out of milk and I go, hey, babe, we're out of milk. She always goes, put it in the app. And all I do is open up the Our Groceries app right here. And if you can see, if you're a viewer, it just says all your lists of your names. And I just go to uh, Trader Joe's. We'll just type in Trader Joe's. And then you can see it gives you all of the options for things you want to add. So you just type in milk and it puts it in the list and you sync it to your partner's phone. And then whenever my wife goes to Trader Joe's, even though she did not put milk on the grocery list, if I put it in the app, it shows up mm. in her app. So she knows, oh, I'm at Trader Joe's. Let me look and see what's in this app that I, in the, in the app that I need. So every time she comes home and I'm like, hey, did you get milk? She's like, you didn't put it in the app. So no, I didn't. I'm like, there it is. So it's a great wow. way for couples to maintain their communication. This is a free app and I highly recommend it to all the married men who have to either go to the grocery store and pick up stuff for their wife or uh, to anybody that just always forgets to add that grocery list, our groceries, it's a great app. What do you got? What's next? That's super solid. Um, it's a, it's a good this, one. This next one is going to uh, reveal um, quite a bit about my day job, but it, okay. it is honestly the, the app that I use uh, the most. The app is called Logos. Um, and it is a great. My app. You recommended this to me. It's a great app. Bible study app. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I'm a Logos gold member. Uh, mm -hmm. shout out to the logos team because they, they hooked me up, um, in sort of a brand ambassador sort of way. Um, so Sweet. I'm not contractually obligated to mention logos in this podcast. 
Um, but I will say if you're listening to me because um, you follow me and um, the other things that I do, um, I have much, much uh, thanks. Much of what I do can, can be traced back to what I find by using the logos as for Bible study, for, um, for sermon prep, um, curriculum writing, all the things I do um, as a pastor in my day job, I, I use logos for, um, and it's cloud-based. So I have it on my iPad. I have it on my iPhone. I have it on yep. my MacBook. My MacBook is the majority where I do the majority of my message prep. Um, but I like being able to be on the go um, and pull my iPhone out and say, you know what? I wonder about, you know, this, that, or the other and do like 10 minutes of research and then have it yeah. sync back to the sermon I'm writing on my laptop in my office. So um, I, I am a huge Logos fan. Um, I've got about $20,000 worth of commentaries uh, and Bibles and, and maps and other nerdy things in there um, that I would, it would be a room full in a library. Um, but I carry all it all available. with me on Wherever my phone. So Logos by far, one of my best investments. Good for you, Logos. All right. Um, so third one that I have here is, I think this is very well known in the Flores family. And if you're not using it, then you're wrong. But the Elfster app, um, Elfster oh, has yeah. saved me. And I think it saved me a couple of times with you. I think we might've mentioned it. So I'll be quick with this. Elfster is it's basically your wish list. It's the things that you want. So whenever your grandma or your mom reaches out to you and is like, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? You don't have to like, oh, I don't know. You can actually like keep your running list throughout the year of the things that you want. You can uh, import things directly from Amazon. You can take a URL or a web link and just put it directly in there. You can take a picture if you want, and then you can tailor it like as specific as you want. So if you want, a, you know, a Derek Carr jersey and you want it in a size large, you can put it in the Elfster and you can put the size where people can get it and they know. So maybe the one you got is super expensive, but they know like, hey, if I find it cheaper somewhere else, um, I so can, clutch. you know, it's a, it's a large. Uh, but the other thing that I like about it too is people who are following your Elfster, if they purchase you a gift, they can go in and mark it as purchased. So then you don't have to worry about like, Come Christmas time, if everybody's it's trying like to buy the same gift, it's like a registry for your birthday. It's or like a registry. It's brilliant. And now I, th I think they actually have registries that you can include on there too. So you can actually like sync your Amazon registry or your Target registry. So the Elster app, it's a great way for families to stay in touch and figure out what they want to buy each other for the holidays. Sponsor All us, right. Elster. My next one is uh, Afterpay. Are you familiar with Afterpay? No, Afterpay. Okay, so Afterpay is an app um, that links to, I mean, literally hundreds of different stores. I'm trying to pull mine up right now, but my face, it's not recognizing my face for whatever reason, my face ID. Okay. So in the Afterpay app, there are literally, I mean, hundreds upon hundreds of stores. Finish Line, uh, the Goat app um, is, oh. is linked to Afterpay. Uh, Shein, which the ladies like. Uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, Crocs, mm. Old Navy, DSW, Adidas, um, I, something called Big Blanket Company, which is where have we talked about my big blanket yet? No. Oh my gosh! I bought a ten foot by ten foot blanket from a company called Big Blanket wow. Company that I found on Afterpay. It's just basically what it does is you it breaks it up into four payments, interest free. 
Okay. You make, you make one payment, one fourth of your, your total. When you buy what you're buying, they send it to you immediately. There's no, like, it's not like layaway. You get it as soon as you order it, but it's not like a credit card because it's interest free. You just pay it off every two weeks um, for the next six weeks. So if I bought a hundred dollar item, I pay 25 today, 25 more in two weeks, 25, two weeks after that, 25, two weeks after that interest free, a hundred dollars on afterpay. And it's a brilliant business model because you might say like, okay, well, look like DoorDash, you know, offers this convenience, right? But you pay a higher price for your sandwich than you would if you just picked it up yourself. DoorDash has got to make money. And so I'm asking myself, like, why, why is Afterpay working? Why is it making money? Why are stores partnering? Why are stores paying Afterpay to be on the app? It's because people spend more money when they've got to spend less money. When so, when yep. you tell somebody like, hey, this is a hundred, it's a hundred dollars, but I only have to spend twenty five dollars. Let's do it exactly. And if you align it with your payday every two weeks, it it's brilliant. Oh, yeah, I bought a blanket. I have bought shoes. I have bought <laughs> um, all all kinds of of stuff. This uh, the stuff I take in the morning. My early bird uh, powder that I. I snort mm-hmm. um, this morning. It felt like I was actually snorting it because it got like way too concentrated. So I'm like drinking and it got like up around the rim of the cup. And like, I took one last drink and it like went straight into my nose and I was like, Whoa, like this is, there this is. is something special. <laughs> um, so the Afterpay app has, has been pretty uh, monumental for us. We've, we've, we've spent quite a few hundos um, over, over the course of, you know, six easy, four easy payments um, on on Afterpay. Stuff that's like, man, would I buy a $120 pair of shoes? Or would I buy, (laughs) no, I'd probably buy a $30 pair of shoes that would turn to crap in six months. But instead, why don't I, why don't I buy a better pair of shoes and pay it out over the next couple of months? Again, interest-free. So it's like, it's a credit card and you know, you're paying to pay Dave Ramsey, but it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be fine. (laughs) Uh, so Afterpay is is my third. Um, do do you have more, or do you want to? I don't have any more. I only had those three, but um, okay. I just want to share that. Finish the last two. The Sonic app. All drinks are half price if you order on the Sonic app. Oh wow! Which is a real game changer for me because you can diet cherry limeade uh, for like ninety nine cents with a large. That's a win. Um, and then okay. you order it on the app, and then you pull up. In the app, you type in your stall number and they just bring it out to you and you never have to press that red button. Wow. So, so that's pretty cool. The Sonic um, app. Good. And then I, I would be uh, remiss if I did not mention um, the CarMax app, which is the last car we bought. I bought entirely on the CarMax yeah. app. Listen, they drove <laughs> that car to my house. We got in the back of a CarMax Sprinter van, signed the awesome. paperwork in our driveway. And I never did. I, it all was on my app. I took pictures yeah. of like uh, documents they needed, uploaded them to the app. It was insane. It was the easiest car buying experience of my life. Sponsored the, me CarMax. There's a lot of new ways to buy cars. These, they've got that and the Vroom is the other one. And I think there's another one like Carvana. Carvana. They deliver yeah. it to your house. Like it's getting weird, man. Cars CarMax are- has come up. I, you know, I used to work for CarMax. And so I have a lot of respect for the company in general, but that was the best car buying process of my entire life. 
I also have to say that I have such a new found respect for the app building process in general um, and what goes into maintaining apps. We were joking earlier about Facebook and Instagram going down. Um, We are, we have a, we have an app that we, we developed um, and maintain Um, the bridge DFW is our app. We put it on the app store. And I got to tell you the process of developing the app, publishing the app, editing the app, I mean, everything about it is, is hard, hard work. So some of these, some of these apps that just make life so much easier. I mean, I, you ever hear people say like, Oh man, I I was born in the wrong era. I should have, I should have been alive in the sixties with the hippies, not me 2021 with all these apps. That's where I belong. Convenience. Send me that, uh, $17, $5 foot long through DoorDash (laughs) (laughs) at at 10 o'clock at night. absolutely yeah no i i I prefer 2021 okay so good apps um i'm gonna really look into that uh the other the afterpay i've already downloaded it to my phone so it'll change life that's gonna go over really well and target is on afterpay now i know that's that's why i was like there's no way i can do this and then you were like target and i was like oh yeah my wife will let me do that absolutely all right man good vibes good good chat here I think it's just getting better and better. Every time it's better and better. So we'll we'll see. I can't wait for next week. That's all I can tell you. I, I can't either. Here we go. All right, man. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Twitter as long as Instagram is up. And Mark Zuckerberg is not losing $7 billion in a day. You can follow us at the hail. No, that's not right. You can follow me at the hailstone. You can follow Stephen at Stephen Shelton. You can follow the Stephen and Stephen show at the two Stevens on Instagram and on Twitter. Good grief. And so if good. you want to email us and ask us a question, email us at the Stephen and Stephen show at gmail.com. I check that email address every day. So please, I do too. by all means. Zero emails so far. Zero you could emails. be the first. Hey, and if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. And if subscribe you're listening to iTunes, and leave subscribe. a comment that's a big and deal leave a us. review yes even All if it's just things. even if it's just something like this these sucks. guys are ridiculous but they're both really really good looking i don't care we need ridiculously give us give us something in there all right bro good chatting with you we'll talk next week all right bye